This week's episode of Excelsior Journeys is brought to you by Maine's Playing Cards. Please go to maisplayingcards.com to get your own limited edition deck. This week, I had the pleasure of sitting down with podcaster and radio personality Mike Seibert. Mike has been running his own podcast for over three years. I am still shocked that, considering his tastes, that we have only met just this past month. It was a really great conversation, had a lot of fun with him. I know you're going to have a blast. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey, and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy, and thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for tuning in for almost 100 episodes. We are so close, and I have so much fun prepared for you for the month of August. This is going to be a blast doing this August miniseries, the five-parter celebrating the 35th anniversary of Transformers the movie. If you are a Transformers fan, you are going to love this. It's going to be so much fun. If you have been enjoying the show overall, I've been doing this since 2018. We are not stopping anytime soon. Please give it a share, a rate, a review. Uh, You can even go ahead and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link. It's all on the homepage for the podcast, which is he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. Please note that uh, there are over a dozen different platforms you can choose from to subscribe In addition to Apple, Google, TuneIn, Spotify, Podbean, I'm also on Amazon, also on iHeartRadio, also on Pandora. Still can't believe that. Now, this month I've been taking the time to go around social media to really kind of spread the word about the Transformers the Movie miniseries. And there are a lot of groups that make up Transformers fandom on Facebook. This one particular Facebook group, I still cannot believe that I had not gotten there earlier, but it is called Transformers Till All Are One, where fans and talent come together. And that is not hyperbole. There are different people that are associated with Transformers that are that are there, that are part of the site. And it is a blast getting to know everyone, getting to share this kind of news. It is really exciting. Everyone is really pumped up, not only for the 35th anniversary, but also for the War for Cybertron Kingdom miniseries that is ready to come out on Netflix. There's so much that's going on with this fandom. It is really, really awesome. And one of the people that I had the pleasure to speak with is a gentleman named Mike Seibert. Mike has his own show, Mike Seibert Radio. And I listened to a few episodes and I felt like I had found a kindred spirit. The guy is fantastic. He not only has a great show that really keeps things moving, that interviews a whole lot of really great people, but one of his go-tos when it comes to pop culture is Transformers in in all the various forms that it is, no pun intended. And it was a real thrill to be able to talk to a fellow fan who was really dialed into this movie and is just as excited for this upcoming five-part miniseries as I am for Excelsior Journeys. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, you are going to hear my conversation with Mike Seibert. 
He was generous enough to have me on his show. We had so much fun. I am really looking forward to you hearing it because you're going the main thing that you're going to hear uh, from is you're going to hear the answer of why this movie at this time with the 35th anniversary what is it about this movie that inspires me so much that makes it so near and dear to my heart that I have a framed poster as the centerpiece in my office at home you're going to hear that and you're going to hear a whole lot more but first a quick word from Maine's playing cards we'll be right back this episode of Excelsior Journeys is brought to you by Maine's Playing Cards. This launch deck is limited to 2,500, so check them out today before they are gone. Maine's Playing Cards is proudly based out of St. Louis and was started in 2020 during some of the world's more challenging days. To the creators, Andrew and Greg, this company became something positive to hold on to. And one year later, Maine's Playing Cards is very grateful for all of the support that they've received from so many and that they can call this creative outlet a job. You can check them out at maisplayingcards.com. I will post a link in the show notes and be sure to get one of their limited launch decks. Hey, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and by George, he's got it. My guest today is George Soroy. He's a author, voice actor, audiobook narrator. He mm -hmm. is the host of the Excelsior Journeys podcast and author of books in the same series. And today, we are going to talk about a little movie that is having a 35th anniversary. In fact, uh, George is going to discuss with us how the narrative, the takeover, if you will, of his put in the month of August will be primarily focused on that little movie from 1986 with the transforming robots. Of course, we are talking about the Transformers, the movie from 1986. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm really excited for this conversation, but please welcome to Mike Seibert Radio, George Soroy. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic, Mike. Thank you so much for having me here. All right, so let's. Uh, I, I guess let's start with the basics. You know, somebody's mm -hmm. every podcast is somebody's first podcast, and I yes. already started with a bit of info dumping. You're multi-talented. You're prolific. Let's let's kind of parse out who George Soroy is and what you do, and then let's let's kind of get into some of the cool things that you've got going on. Because before we tell folks to check out all of your stuff in August for the Transformers the movie stuff I think it would help as good context for folks to know what where you were to know where we're going absolutely and there are times when I'm still trying to figure out who the hell George Soroy is but I think when you take the writing the podcasting the audiobook narrating the voice acting like it all you want to condense it all into one thing I would say storyteller and whether it's my story that I'm telling or someone else's story or giving someone the spotlight to let them tell their story. That's pretty much what this whole crazy trip has been. You are correct when you say that I have three books out there right now, although technically you can say seven books because one of them is a five-part serial that's condensed into one book, but that's its own thing. That's a sci-fi sports serial that's called From Parts Unknown, and that's available on paperback and ebook. But the big ones that are connected to the podcast are Excelsior and Ever Upward, part two in the Excelsior journey. That's a YA sci-fi trilogy that I have going 
Part three is in production. And I swear to you, publisher, Jeff at A. Loris Publishing, it is in production. I will get it to you. And I am working on it very, very diligently. And at some point it will be finished and that trilogy will be complete and I'll be able to move on to my next big project. But yeah, it was that series that inspired the title of the podcast because when in uh, 2016, I started up with a different podcast. It was this really great roundtable discussion of all these different authors in the St. Louis area. And I was really enjoying being a part of a podcast. Then it got to a point where in 2018, I was starting to get the bug of just like, I got to do this. Just looking through my Facebook friends and seeing all these wonderful creative people that I've known in various walks of life and just thinking like, wow, these guys need to get them themselves out there. These people need to know what it is that they're doing because what they're doing is fabulous. And then after a few months, it was, okay, they need to be on my podcast. <laughs> so then I had that sort of direction to go in. And then one of my friends, David Lucas, uh, who was running the Right Pack Radio roundtable show that I was a part of, he was listening to me talk about what I was going to call this show. And he looks over my shoulder and he sees my big banner that I have of Excelsior. And he sees the the subtitle on there saying part one in the Excelsior journey. And he points to it and just goes, why not the Excelsior journey? And I turned around, I looked at it. I was like, you know what? That works. But let's let's tweak it. Let's call it Excelsior Journeys since there's more than one. Everyone has their own. And just a few months later, that's when in October of 2018, that's when my first three episodes launched. Very cool. That that's awesome because like I I, I was doing a little bit of research and, and yeah I've I've listened to a handful of episodes but the one thing I I that struck me immediately is that I I like that you've got consistent branding so mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's like you know Excelsior Journeys oh it's it, it's books it's podcasts it's both yep. it's yeah. you know it's it's very consistent and not. All of us content creators think that far ahead. The reason why my podcast is called Mike Seibert Radio is because I wasn't creative enough to come up with a title other than Mike Seibert Radio because that's really what the show is. It's just things from my perspective, my point of view, my take on things, my friends, my friends' mm -hmm. interests, my creative friends' interests in creative projects and trying to promote them. So it's it, it's all just very much through this, this kaleidoscope of Mike Seibert, so hence Mike Seibert Radio. But like like I said, George, I, I like that you've got that that consistency from jump. And talking about your podcast, it mm. I, I don't I don't know if this is uh weirdly narcissistic or <laughs> or at least selfish. And I, I've been told by many folks many times that it's not all about me. And yeah. I'm like, you seem to forget what the name of my show is. But <laughs> but I but I I was I was struck immediately by the variety of content in mm -hmm. your podcast and it reminds me of the content that I do. It seems that you're drawn by folks's individual journeys. You have yeah. you have a, a variety of interviews with mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of cool folks that, that we'll call out here in a little bit. But yep. you're also doing uh, chapter reads of your book. So it's it, it's it it's not necessarily 
one particular thing, which is at, at times difficult to explain to folks. I know I know I have that challenge. They'll be like, well, what is mm-hmm. your podcast about? And I'll say, well, you know, it's it's like I just said a moment ago, it's it, it's just kind of like things through my kaleidoscope and my perspective, yeah. whereas with Excelsior Journeys, it feels like you've done a lot of the same thing, but more focused and even themed, because like even as you're explaining it to me now, it feels like even if you're doing a interview with, say, Michael Bell, a voice actor, you know, in your most uh, current episode. Yeah. You know, we, we all have those Excelsior journeys, which I, mm-hmm. I think is is really, really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. The the chapter readings, they are they're an example of necessity being the mother of invention. I am on track right now to reach episode 100 on the episode that's going to air on August 10th, which is going to be recorded on August 8th and which just so happens to be the exact 35th anniversary of Transformers the movie being released. So mm-hmm. that, that when I did the math and realized where everything fell, I was just like, well, that that's perfect. So I didn't want to mess with that. And a couple of weeks ago, I had a I had a guest lined up, but our communication wasn't quite there. We couldn't quite get our schedules to mix. And I'm just like, well, no harm, no foul. I definitely want this guy on my show. And if it's not going to happen now, it'll happen in the future. But what am I going to record for this week? Because I can't just say no show this week. And then because that's just going to bump everything down. So it was like, well, why don't I just why don't I just put in a little bit of my Excelsior audiobook? Just chapter one. Chapter one is really strong. Let's go ahead and just put that out there as like a little free tidbit for everyone. Because you can go ahead and get the full audiobook if you like. It's it's available on Amazon. But at the same time, I didn't want to drop the any chapters from the audiobook of Ever Upward, since that first chapter almost completely spoils the first book. So I don't want to do that, right, but at right. least I can, but at least with, since I have also have from parts unknown in my, in my arsenal, I can always go ahead and do a chapter from that as well, which is likely what I'm going to wind up doing this month, because as July is, July is a time when everyone is just kind of scattered. So it's very difficult to really kind of get everyone together for the same weekend and do all the recording. So I think that's what's going to wind up happening is I'm going to wind up doing um, going to wind up reading a chapter from that, either that or chapter two of Excelsior, just as another free tidbit. You know, but that's what that's that's basically where the chapter readings you know come from. The mm-hmm. the main things, the, the main crux of the show is putting the spotlight on people that are up and coming in their own creative field. When it comes to working with, say, like Michael Bell or some of the other names that are going to be dropped, you know, likely, during this show, they're all yeah. the people that inspired me. So it's so hopefully like what what all my previous guests that are out there that are up and coming in their field, what they're doing is inspiring others. And what I get to do with this show, because it's my show, I get to yeah. talk with all the people that inspired me. So that made me into this, you know, crazy mix of 
various things that I am. And so I'm basically just telling them you're either getting the credit or the blame. It depends on <laughs> depends on who's listening. <laughs> I I love that. That that's fantastic. And so while we're here and and we are kind of in this uh, under this umbrella of going to be talking about Transformers the movie, you've recently yes. had interviews with several folks that have mm-hmm. been instrumental in that movie uh, some of the some of the folks I've chatted with as well mm-hmm. but yeah talk about some of the folks that that you've talked to and maybe some of uh your experiences chatting with them because I I I'm interested to compare notes to see if our experiences with with Flint Dilly are are, are similar <laughs> <laughs> well uh, Flint Flint first of all I got to just say Flint is magnificent he's he is a prince of a human being just for even you know for even taking the time to get on, come on this show, come on your show, spread the word about who he is, what he's done, because too many people just don't know. Flint and uh, Flint was one of those people that I reached out to on Facebook as on a whim, uh, just thinking that, you know, like at least, you know, at, at, at least he'll know that, you know, like there's someone out there who knows who he is, who admires him and everything and would like to connect via Facebook. And he did. And he accepted me. And for a while, there you know, we would chat in just a, a little bit here and there, not too much, but just a little bit. And one time uh, last year was when I got the uh, the 27 by 40 poster of Transformers, the movie. And I got that from Amazon and got it framed, put it up on my wall in my office, you know, right here at home. And I basically just kind of made that like the centerpiece of the whole room. It's what ties it all together. Yeah. And I got snapped a picture of it, put it online and put out there just basically saying, you know, thank you to all different people that I had that had decided to become Facebook friends with me and, you know, just kind of tag them and thank them for this. And I also put in there the first the three quotes that open up the first Excelsior book as one is from the book of Matthew, which the last part of it saying, you know, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The second is from Thomas Mallory's Lamort to Arthur where it talks about this, what is written on the stone with Excalibur. And then the third mm. part is, one day an Autobot shall rise from our ranks and use the power of the Matrix to light our darkest hour, Optimus Prime. And so now when I showed, that, when I put that on there, I did, you know, I, I posted both photos there at once. And Flint dropped a little story about that quote that I never knew about, that it was inspired by Churchill. And his whole darkest hour speech. And, you know, when you hear it, it's just like, well, of course. But, you know, when you're growing up and everything, you just know of that quote. Hearing it, hearing that Flint was directly inspired by that, it was a great drop. And I was just like, I got to do this. So, first of all, I asked him if I could gift him copies of both Excelsior and Ever Upward. And he said, he said that would be great. He sent me his address. I signed two copies. I sent them over to him. And he got them and he started reading them. And from uh, what I understand, he's been enjoying them. And so fabulous. But it was right after that, right after we did that, that's when I said, you know, like, by the way, I have this show. You have your book that's that's coming out. Would you like to can I have you come on and we can talk about the book? We can talk about your whole career. We can talk about the movie, et cetera. And he was all for it. And we talked for a good two hours. And nice. it was one of those situations where we just could have kept on talking. And but at the same time, it was just 
every everything that he was saying was gold. And Mm -hmm. even better, I just ran the episode through Descript and it took out all the ums and uhs and it actually shortened it by about 20 minutes. So (laughs) (laughs) so I I am going to be, you know, reposting that episode just as like a nice, cleaner version of it. So it's not as stuttery uh, throughout. But. I, I am just so, so absolutely proud of that. And it was during that episode, that's when the idea really kind of came to me about doing a month-long celebration of the movie. And he was all for it. So I was able to basically like propose it to him right there. Why don't you come back and we can talk about just the movie, about the yeah. development of it. And he was like, yeah, let's do this. So he set for coming on. I reached out to Ron Friedman if our schedules can work. He's going to be coming on. I spoke to Neil Ross when he was a guest on the show. Yeah. And that was a great episode, too. That was over an hour and a half that we were talking. And Neil was, again, just a magnificent. It was a, it was a terrific time. He's He's got like a very kind of a dry delivery that mm-hmm. works for him. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, that, you know, like everything he's saying, it's all very genuine. The man is very appreciative of his fan base and we love him for it. You know, so and just the fact that not prompt, not prompted by me. This is the big thing. He I did not ask him to do this. I just happened to bring up the fact that he had the one of the immortal lines in the whole movie. And mm-hmm. he said, yeah, a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of audiences really, really enjoyed that when I the the moment when I was in uh, watching the movie and that I, that line came out and then he jumped into I got better things to do tonight than die. It was just like, I got it. <laughs> yeah. It was that like, moment. It was like, you remember, you ever seen the movie The Paper with Michael Keaton? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That moment right near the end where he's been like trying to get that quote from the, from the cops saying they didn't do it. It was that moment, that moment where as soon as he said that, he just gives like this wonderful like sigh of relief and just like, yes, yeah. that's exactly how I felt when Neil said that line. <laughs> so it was, it was awesome. It was so cool. And I, I was I was thrilled by it. And he had so many great stories, too, because it's not just about Transformers, but he's right. the voice of Shipwreck from G.I. Joe. So, of yes. course, I'm go- so, of course, I'm going to bring up There's No Place Like Springfield and mm-hmm. it which is still you can put that in a time capsule. That is one of the finest episodes you ever you've ever written that's ever been written for an animated show. Just mm-hmm. absolutely. It is a fabulous episode. And it's something that I would definitely love to just kind of, you know, revisit. I have the DVDs. Why not? But uh, but yeah, it was it was fabulous. My only regret is that is that I blanked on Steve Gerber's name when we were talking about who wrote it. Yeah, that was that was my that was my one regret. I was just like and then when I look back and I saw that Steve wrote it, I was like, well, of course, Steve wrote it. So, <laughs> it, it has that sardonic wit uh, yeah. for, uh, from Steve Gerber, for sure. Yeah. And not a lot of folks know that that that. Steve Gerber actually wrote a lot of animation. It's yeah. it, it's very yeah. interesting. It's like, wait a sec, the guy that created Howard the Duck mm-hmm. did a lot of cartoons, and it's and, like, and yeah, one, and one of them just happened to feature a kid holding a bazooka. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Try yeah, to get away was... with that now. <laughs> 
Yeah, he was he his he had just just a a, a strangely unique mind. Yeah, you know, just yeah. just just a very surreal outlook on life, and and that mm-hmm. that permeated his work quite a bit. Uh, that's that that's a voice that's definitely greatly missed. Uh, yeah, for sure. and and uh, uh, and Gerber. Flint and Flint and I were talking about Steve because I recently I re re-listened to the episode with Flint because I wanted to hear how it how it sounded after I ran it through the script and got rid of the ums and uhs. And it did sound a lot cleaner. It sounded, you know, like there's you can hear just like a little bit of a stutter like every now and then, but the but I took out all of the all the pauses as well. So it's yeah. it flows a lot better. And it was a really good listen. And it was that part of it where we got to there's no place like Springfield where Flint was saying that was one of the rare instances where he got to edit Steve. And so mm-hmm. he was also a part of one of the greatest episodes ever made of, of animated of animated television. So just the fact that, you know, I could, you know, like I could go on for like for several shows just about that episode. Yeah, um, that's how good it is. That That's how yeah. that's how good that was. So but uh, but yeah, and then it was not too long after that. That's when I reached out to Vince DiCola's manager mm-hmm. and we were able to set up. We we originally had one one period set up, then unfortunately Vince got COVID, and that put him out of commission for a while. But when he was recovered, I've been keeping in touch with his manager Peter, and yeah. he and I have actually dude. become yeah he and I become very friendly, and I you know I repaid the favor by having him on my show the very next week, so he got to talk about getting into music management, and that was a that was a really fun episode too because. I got to like I got to fanboy with someone who is a full on fanboy. I got to talk about with someone who knows when you say Veriseraband, you know, like that's they know what you're talking about, you know, and somebody who actually worked there, too. So it was it was a great that was a fun episode. But the one with Vince was fabulous. We only had about an hour to work with, but we wound up getting so much great material because he was talking about I had no idea that he had written far from over. Co-written it with Frank Stallone, but oh okay, but that was a huge part of it, and mm-hmm. that led to his getting involved with Stallone, which led to Rocky Four, and so we had a great. So it was, it was like I would say like about you know like a, a quarter of it was about him getting started in music, another quarter was about staying alive, and then half mm-hmm. of it was about Rocky Four, and it got to a point where we were getting really close to the end of the hour. And it was just like, well, we're not gonna just gonna go like, oh, and he did Transformers the movie too. All right, yeah, so yeah, yeah. By yeah. by the way, right? <laughs> you know, just like as an afterthought. <laughs> exactly. So I so I asked, I invited him to come back, and then I told him about what I had in mind for August, and he was like, well, let's do that. So I was like, yes. So now I know what part three of that of the whole thing is going to be all about. Part one is going to be about the development with Flint, and if if all if the schedule gods are willing, Ron Friedman will be on there as well. Part two will be about the voices. So I'm going to have, you know, Neil is coming back. I also was able to get Susan Blue, RC. I got oh, Greg. Nice. I got Greg Berger, Grimlock. I have Michael Bell coming back. And I just got, and this is, I am so excited for this. I got Breaking Victor, news. I got Victor Caroli. <laughs> oh, wow. that Boom. That's incredible. <laughs> 
because he he's he doesn't do a whole lot of press. He doesn't right. talk to a whole lot of folks. Yeah. In fact, 2020 in like uh, February there was going to be a TFCon in Orlando, and mm-hmm. he lives down that way. And so that, he that he, was a big that was a big in that was a big in because I saw that yeah. he lives in Naples, which is where my father lives. So it was oh, like, very cool. There you go. <laughs> So and that was to have been his first convention appearance because apparently oh, he hasn't wow. done bot cons or any of that other stuff. And then obviously because of the Rona, the the show get goes uh, gets canceled. Yeah. And so he still technically has not made a convention a- appearance. So that that's a that's a heck of a get. That's 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 going to make for a really cool enjoyable yeah. episode. You you've got a stacked lineup coming up. And yeah and the, the really fun thing is that for the voices part of it, it's going to be a panel. They're all going to be on there together. And so that's going to be just a real blast because I get even though the movie itself did not have the same sort of feel as the show where they had all the actors in the booth at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um because that was something that Michael Bell talked about, something that Neil Ross talked about in the previous interviews, was that the setup was very different. They're in a different studio completely. Thankfully, Wally Burr was was working with them the whole time, but still, it was it was not the same camaraderie in the sense of like you know the the sense of like everyone kind of playing off of each other. But what they what they did what 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 it wound up doing was it. Even though like that moment, even though that movie and everything didn't have that sort of feel, I get to kind of recreate the feel of what they're used to, you know, of yeah. of doing it for the regular show. So and even just having Victor in there is just I, I consider that a, a huge blessing. Just the fact that he said yes. And because what Victor gets to talk about that I'm really excited about is the different types of narration that they had, because there was the opening narrative. All he had was the opening narration for the movie, but he had also had you know, like different drops here and there for the show. But he also had a, an intro and an outro for the overseas release of the movie where they did this whole like Star Wars scroll type of thing, basically setting everything up. Mm-hmm. And then at the, the very end. Spoiler alert, they got to say that, you know, like Optimus Prime is going to return just like, you know, kids, you can dry your eyes now. It's okay. He's going to come back. (laughs) Yeah. We're not going to traumatize you the way we did all those poor Americans. You know, it's like we we heard about the the American child who locked themselves up in a bathroom for three weeks. weeks. Yeah. (laughs) We we just want to make sure that that doesn't happen in UK and overseas and the other territories. And, And it is and it is interesting that narration because it's it's weird watching the the UK version and yeah. it's like you said it, it 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 doesn't oh what is it it it, it doesn't have the song it kind of like ducks it it doesn't have like the superman yeah. style opening credits instead it has the star wars like crawl which mm-hmm. is fine you know you could still hear the song under it but then like you said uh, victor crowley comes in and basically reads the scroll <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's weird to have a uh, scrolling text and the narration. It's like uh, split the difference or something. And and it still has, you know, it is the year 2005. So it picks up with that. It's it's yeah. very weirdly disjointed. Which, which is real which is really funny because like the last line it says, you know, like but the the Autobots led by Optimus Prime are not so easily defeated. A few seconds later, <laughs> it is the treacherous Decepticons have conquered the Autobots on planet Cybertron. So he was defeated. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so weird. It's like, how it's, like the Simps- it it's like the Simpsons behind the laughter episode. Just like, you know, the dream was over. Coming up, was the dream really over? Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> or even that uh, bit in the Simpsons movie where they're like, to be continued immediately because it's a movie <laughs> it's like, or, or even it, better or even better the the and and you know like not not you know and not even to like to harp on on victor or anything like the man had sure. had a job to do the man did it you know like with splendor and i am so looking forward to talking to him about this as well but i'm really curious to to get his reaction from when he read the text but is this really the end of optimus prime Find out in tomorrow's exciting adventure, the return of Optimus Prime. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> spoiler alert! You know? <laughs> yeah, so funny. Well, and it and it's interesting the the differences in different audiences and how they got to experience that because yeah. when. I saw the movie when you saw the movie, you know, fo- folks are of our generation and age saw the movie. Mm-hmm. That was it. it it's just yeah. like Optimus Prime is gone. These are the new characters. This is the yep. new status quo. Let's go into season three. In fact, I've I, I've corresponded and, and met with so many friends that just jumped into season three face first and had no idea what the heck was going on. It's like, where's Optimus Prime? They hadn't seen the movie. It was so weird because like the, the movie came and went so quickly, wasn't a success at all. Mm -hmm. And so there, there were a lot of folks that were really kind of left in the cold. I, I I was, I I guessed it on a uh, podcast, uh, Transformers university where they were talking about the return of Optimus Prime. And I had, I had forgotten, gotten in doing research for my part of that episode that the return of Optimus Prime came out on video at the same time as Transformers the movie and that yeah. wasn't until January of 1987 mm-hmm. I I had I had completely yeah. forgotten about that that, that they, it's like it was and they advertised they advertised the VHS as the sequel to Transformers the movie and I was like no 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 five faces of darkness that is the sequel you know that's yeah. you know you guys got to you guys got to go back a little bit you guys really got to see what is what was happening while you were away because quite a bit happened so that being said so before we get uh too deep in the weeds because I I think I you know <laughs> folks that are listening to this no Transformers the movie already. So I oh, mean yeah. so I, I I don't necessarily need to backpedal that far. But mm-hmm. what I'm really interested in discussing with you is really why Transformers the movie? Why why that's uh why you're celebrating the thirty fifth anniversary? Why is it taking over the narrative of your podcast and output for August for that 35th anniversary. Obviously those of us that like it have, you know, a great degree of affection for it. But what I thought we would kind of discuss is kind of more deeper root causes. It's like, Hmm. you know, after 35 years, why is this movie so vital to you so much so that mm-hmm. it takes over your uh, your narrative output for for the 35th anniversary for August? Excellent question. Excellent question. And for me it really kind of goes back to the original line, the actual the actual characters, the show really. This whole this whole wonderful assortment of transformers. It it may it is it's a big part of me because I believe it's the first 
franchise that I discovered because, you know, like I had, you know, I had, there have been other shows and everything. There was, you know, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe came before this. G.I. Joe had come, had come before this. But at the same time, like, you know, my father had, you know, like a G.I. Joe, you know, like action figure and everything from, from way back. And, you know, he took, he took the family out to see the original Star Wars. He took us to see Superman and everything. Like these were all established characters that had been around for quite a while. And, you know, like during that time and everything, it was, it was someone else who really kind of brought me into that particular fandom with Transformers that I discovered on my own. I just happened to be watching a commercial for, for these toys and I just sudden something about them grabbed me and it was just like, I need to pay attention to this. And then the, the three part miniseries more than meets the eye came out. And then the comic book started and I was just like, there's something going on here. And so the first issue that I, I remember the first issue that I got of transformers was issue number five, which has the best cover art in the whole Marvel run. And if you don't know it, it's the one with Shockwave standing by a wall and where it's where it says the Transformers and he writes are all dead. I mean, come on, it's issue number five. That's the first of the first one past the four issue limited series. And that's how you start. This is yeah. this is something special. And and then they just happened to have they were airing season one during the time that during on Sunday mornings and WPIX 11 in Poughkeepsie, New York. And that was when we're at, we're at church. So my father, you know, like went ahead and set up the VCR so that way it would record while we were at church. I came home and, and the first one I got to watch was SOS Dinobots. And then the very next week, for some reason, they aired them out of order, but they aired the More Than Meets the Eye miniseries. So I got to really get steeped into that. And it was just like, it just and one episode after another, it was just like getting it more and more and more. It's like, there's something here, there's something here, there's something here. And then it, they switched over to Monday through Friday right after school. And that's when things really blew up. That's when mm-hmm. I have like my other friends and everything talking about it. We're, you know, we're showing off our Transformers. First one I got was the the red variant Bumblebee. I didn't know. But uh, but then I got, uh, you know, like a, a family member sends me Ironhide. And then, and then over at, uh, I think it was Kmart. I think that's when I got, where I got Soundwave. And then eventually Skywarp. And, you know, so I, I didn't have that many, but the ones that I had, I loved. And it was just something about that. It was just constantly just feeding it and feeding it, feeding it. And then, you know, more, you know, like reading the issues more and getting more in tune with that. And then around April or so of 86, that's when I started seeing the little teaser right at the end of the Transformers episodes saying, and coming this summer, Transformers the movie. And that really just got me, you know, got me excited, especially at the very end of the commercial when they would say rated PG. Because at that point, <laughs> at that point, GoBots Battle of the Rock Lords had already come and gone, and that was rated G. And right. after watch, I got to watch that, you know, a few months later and everything. I was just like, all right, you know, it is what it is. You know, there's there are no stakes at all. But, you know, like, but at the same time, like they're showing, they're saying the final battle between Optimus Prime and Megatron. And yeah. another narrator that comes in to saying, like, does Prime die? I was like, okay, I guess he's going to die. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> but, As he's showing being shot in the face multiple yeah, times. Exactly. I mean, that, that, Im- that imagery is already upsetting enough. And it's just like, I mean, the, those TV spots were just bonkers. I, how they yeah. crammed so much into 30 seconds. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. And it's it's the, the final battle between Optimus Prime and Megatron. Does Prime die? And who will lead the Autobots? And right. what is the secret of the monster planet? And I'm like, oh, my God. I must see this now. <laughs> it, it's it was just it's too much. It was just overwhelming. But man, it was great. But yeah, I mean, it it just it just hit every. I was telling my father about this recently because you know like, he was basically just asking the same thing. It was like he was asking me about you know like what it was like about all of this that really you know got me got me interested. And as I'm talking to him about it, I was just like you know what? I've never really spoken to him in this perspective before. I didn't tell him about how it started with you know as toys because of the diaclone and micro change lines over in Japan. You know, like I didn't, I didn't talk to him, you know, like with able to regurgitate all that info from the toys that made us, you know, but, um, (laughs) but it was, it was just great. It was, it was fun, you know, getting to kind of fill him in about that. And also just kind of reminding him that on the day that it came out, my uncle called up my father and he said, whatever you do, don't take George to go see Transformers movie. I'm going to take him to it. And I didn't know that, you know, like until I got until I got home and I asked him, he's yeah. like, can we go see it? And then he said, like, well, I just got this call from Uncle Bob. And, you know, like he, he wants to take you to go see it. And I was like, all right. All right. And just kind of like it was August. I didn't have to worry about spoilers from students or anything like that. It was just like, I'll just stay yeah. in my little bubble until we go see it. And then it turns out like a couple of weeks later, we were talking a little bit about it and talking to I was talking to my aunt at the time and saying how the different movies that we'd seen that I'd seen so far at that and in that uh, at that time because I mean summer of 86 it was huge stacked oh so it was just like one thing on top of the other no wonder Mm -hmm. Transformers the movie didn't last in theaters it never got a chance you know like it was it was a swallowed up by so much that was going out there between like Top Gun and Aliens and Karate Kid Part 2 the fly and yeah yeah everything yeah it was yeah, and, and, and that and that and that was a time when like movies stayed in theaters yeah. for twelve to fourteen weeks. It was it was it's just crazy. You just don't see that now. Yeah. So and then I was saying how like, but the the one I'm really looking forward to seeing is Transformers the movie. And my uncle just comes over. And he's just like, "You ready to go?" He's like, "We're going now." He's like, "Yeah." It's like, "All right, let's do this." So we're in the car. We're driving over to the theater, which is not far away. And he's asking me. It was just like so. So fill me in on on this. What's you know like what's the whole thing? What's the whole thing all about? And I lay out the whole thing. I I'm I'm shocked that I didn't go into the Victor Crowley voice, and just <laughs> you know, just didn't say like many millions of years ago on the planet Cybertron, life existed, <laughs> but not life as we know it today. You know, just basically just I just you know just broke it down to him you know like really succinctly, and I'm really glad I did because they really kind of drop you right into the middle of it all, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and you have the time jump too, and yep. it's just like it's it's just you're you're really thrown in the deep end right away. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like it was everything about that movie from start to finish was just ballsy. You know, like that it's it every single thing that they would do, they would not try today. They just wouldn't. They would not 
you know, they would not kill off beloved characters and keep them dead. You know, there, there's, there's so much that they would not do. There was a lot of violence that, that's, that's in this. And from mm-hmm. what I heard, like there were some parents that were getting really upset and taking their kids out from the, from the attack on the shuttle at the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, granted, yeah. Braun Prowl, Prowl's death. My God, <laughs> just like still, even now. I mean, just just grisly and gruesome. And mm-hmm. I would imagine that you know, had the same parents that had taken their kids to go see the Rock Lords the year before, that's yeah. like, what is this? This ain't robots. Stuff. We're leaving. <laughs> We're leaving. We're yeah. leaving. Yeah, yeah. It it would have been. Yeah, I mean, it's. Whew. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of carnage and I mean and characters that we have known for years dying off screen, <laughs> just like RC pulling Windcharger's dead corpse, you know, like at out of the out of the line of fire, and then there's Wheeljack's yeah. body right next to it. I mean, like you know, I could you know just go on and on about there's so much that they did with this that they just would not do now. They they. They would look at they would look at, at Transformers the movie as what not to do, but at the same time, yeah. every single thing that they did is a reason why that movie endures today. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and and that and that's what I was going to say, and and that's that's the way I talk about it with with folks that ask me those same questions. It's like, why are you so hung up on this movie? Why do you like this movie so much? What is it that keeps you buying home video versions of it that you already have over a half? Yeah. I, I have more copies of Transformers the movie than I have Star Wars. Yeah. And and I believe it. Yep. George Lucas and 20th Century Fox put out a lot of copies of Star Wars. They and sure I did. Have and that was before all- and that was before he was tinkering with them too. So. Exactly. And I think I still have more copies of Transformers the movie than than yep. I do those. And that's what it is. It, it's the longevity of it. It's it's the audacity, the sheer yeah. audacity of the project that gives it that longevity. I, I was just recently on a podcast with some friends talking about Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. And that. And that was also a box office failure. It yeah. was it was a huge bomb. Yeah, precisely. And it was because it was too far ahead of its time. Uh, yeah. cur- current audiences didn't know what to do with it. And I think that's the same thing that happened with Transformers the movie. Is that it was it was so dark. It was so mm-hmm. violent. It was so uh, transgressive and. Oftentimes, incredibly weird, yeah. and there's you know all these these bizarre tonal shifts and the art style and the music and mm-hmm. all of it makes it so far ahead of its time. But it's one of those things where we look back on it now and we can talk about it and and invest hours upon hours of podcasts and video podcasts and absolutely and and, and conversations about it because there there's so much depth to it Mm -hmm. and honestly you don't see anything else from that era or at least like as a singular uh piece of media to get that much reverence and attention like i mean i don't even know if a high definition transfer of gi joe the movie exists i know it's on blu-ray but i think it's a scan from a dvd or something like that i think you're Um, right yeah 
And so it just it just doesn't get that same level of appreciation. I mean, to say nothing about other animated fare of the time, like the Milo Pony movie or yeah. or the Care Bears movies, Rainbow Bright, and and I think a lot of that was directly affected by the failure of Transformers the movie. You know, there yeah. there was gonna there was gonna be a gem movie, and that yep. was that torpedoed, yep. and mm-hmm. that got shelved, and then obviously GI Joe the movie was massively reworked. It's it, it's mm-hmm. it's still a bizarre bit of kismet that G.I. Joe the movie was actually supposed to come out first, but yeah. they ran into production delays and they're like, oh, well, you know what? Let's let's just put this Transformer out first mm-hmm. and see how it does. Well, then they saw how it did and <laughs> suddenly... Duke slipped into a coma. Uh, I was I was telling I was telling Michael Bell about that too. Like it, it was just like my eleven year old mind. As soon as I hear like Scarlet say, you know, like he's gone into a coma, I was like, again. <laughs> right. The man's then, gone into so many comas, like so many comas. He he's got real bad CTE. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was thinking like that if they if they want to do any sort of like retconning of the GI Joe movies after Retaliation, they should have mm. had. Had, they should, you know, like they should bring back Channing Tatum as Duke and just say, like, nah, he's just been in a coma. You know, like he was, <laughs> he was discovered, he, he, you know, like he was recovered by like another faction of the Joes led by yeah. Ripcord. You know, like so that there way Marlon Wayans can come into it and get him on, you know, like get him on on there and get him out. So there's always there was always that option. You know, just uh, wanted to throw that out there to absolutely uh, to, to Hasbro Studios and everything. And just like you know what, you don't have to. You know, you don't have to start from ground zero or anything with this. You can always just kind of like pick back up and read it. Because, I mean, retaliation itself, just to go off on a slight tangent, you know, that was definitely it was not a direct sequel to The Rise of Cobra, but it was it was enough of one. You know, like you there was definitely like there the whole thing with the president, the whole thing with Cobra Commander and Destro, you know, like you know, being behind bars and everything, mm-hmm. you know, there was so much that that went into that. But at the same time, there was so much that was reinvented that I was really taken. I was, I had a blast with retaliation. I, you know, like I know with, yeah. with a lot of Joe fans, I'm kind of in the minority of that, but I had so much fun with retaliation. I felt that captured every, you know, almost everything that I remembered growing up and loving with, with GI Joe. Yeah, I I thought that they threaded the needle as best as they could. I yeah. I don't dislike that movie, and I I remember having having fun with it in the theater, and I remember thinking where it's like they're they're trying to cross the streams between Sunbow and Marvel as best yeah. as they can. You know, I mean, you've mm-hmm. get, you've got a heavy lean on the ninja stuff, mm-hmm. but you've also got the the tactical military action, yep. and yeah, again, I I think they. They they did the best they could with what they had. So so since we're in a Joe tangent, let me get your hot take on the on this Snake Eyes stuff. How 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 are you feeling about that going into it? I I I need to I need to take a look at the trailer. Actually, I've I have not seen the trailer yet. I am I, okay. I'm I'm interested in in knowing who is behind the scenes. Mm. I I feel like that is that's a that's a big factor. I. I, I'm I'm fine I'm fine with the fact that you know like that they want to go in that direction with an origin story and focus on someone who doesn't talk. I think that is that's a that's a really interesting risk, and I hope that that like I said I haven't seen any trailers or anything. I know that a lot of uh, a lot of the hardcore fans are really turned off by the fact that it that that he's not blonde hair you know like a blonde haired American, and I yeah. get it. 
I definitely get it, you know, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, I th- from what I remember, the flashbacks that they showed in Rise of Cobra, I don't think that kid had blonde hair. So right. I think that's what they're going through. That's what that's what they're going by. And yeah. if if they were able to get that through, then I think they were just like, all right, let's just let's just focus on that part of it. Because I, th- I think they feel like when it comes to like Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, that's the part that both movies really got right. And yeah, yeah. especially with Retaliation. I thought that that was they were they were fabulous together. Absolutely. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. I it's it's one of those things where just like I, I hope I hope you guys know what you're doing. I just hope you know what you're doing. I hope this is fun. I hope it works. I, I want it to work. I want, you know, like yeah. I am a fan of these properties. I want them to work. You know, like I can look at, you know, just get, getting back to Transformers. Mm-hmm. I saw the last night. It did not work, <laughs> you know? And yeah. Yeah. and and I, I just remember like just wanting to like that one and it just wouldn't let me. And because yeah. it was just coming up with like, I, I was I was excited at the end of Age of Extinction. I really enjoyed that one. I feel like if mm-hmm. you take away, you, you take away the whole Chicago escape sequence, and you take the whole lift things up and put them down part at the in Hong Kong, and you have like a much tighter movie than what than what's out there right now, and mm-hmm. it would, I think it would have satisfied like all quadrants. It's it, it, it so it got me really excited right at the very end. And knowing where it was, you know, feeling like, okay, we're going to go in a really cool direction here. Now we're going to go over to King Arthur. Why? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to and we're going to bring in other Decepticons like Suicide Squad members. Why? (laughs) It's like, we don't know. We're just it's it's. It was just like, yeah, it feels like it was written by committee because it was You know, like it's. Yeah. You know. It was literally it was was that whole roundtable that they did. You know, like I would have loved to have been in there, you know, like at at the same time, it was just like I already have an idea that I've even been like kind of fleshing out a little bit more that can carry on after the last night. And it can also incorporate the Bumblebee timeline that it looks like they're working with and give it its own Transformers Days of Future Past kind of feel to it. There you go. Yeah, I feel like that can that can that needs to be done to successfully like wrap up the the Bay movies and move on in Mm -hmm. this whole other timeline. Because I feel like if they just go like, oh, we're just doing these now, these don't matter anymore. I feel that's that's dangerous. I feel like you you they did it really really well with the X Men movies, and you know Mm -hmm. like you like you take out the X Men Origins Wolverine, and you got like a really solid continuity going there so again you know just kind of like you know touching up on you know, just going off on one tangent after another yeah, um, yeah but uh, absolutely but it's it's definitely i this is it like this is this is the sort of stuff that i grew up on and mm-hmm. it's the sort of thing that inspires creativity in a lot of people including me and yeah. i feel like that is that is something that i feel is needs to be celebrated which is what it which is what comes right back down to why August is going to be the month of celebrating Transformers the movie because it need it I feel it needs to be celebrated. 
Absolutely. Now, I I want to I want to take a step back from from our uh, deep tangents for a sec. <laughs> I, I would I, I would like to go back to your original watching of the movie with uh, with your uncle. What yeah. was what was what was the reaction when the house lights come up? I, I I'm very curious about this one. I was actually like excited for the future. I I was I was actually really into it. I feel like when. When Braun, Prowl, Ironhide, and Ratchet met their end, yeah, especially Ironhide, you know, the such heroic nonsense moment. I mean, just, I mean, that's, that's, again, they would not dare to do that today. They cannot no. say, like, hey, look at all these great toys that you got. We're going to throw them out. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to sell you a whole bunch of new ones. It's not just like, it's not like we're going to, it's not like we're going to, you know, introduce some new toys to put on top of the toys you got. No, we're going to run your, your toys through a combine and then right. we're going to, then it's like, oh, you can't, you can't play with this one anymore. Oh, what a shame. Try Ultra Magnus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was, I was into it. I was, I was like, wow, we're, we're taking some serious steps here. Like this is, mm -hmm. there are stakes here. I'm interested, you know, like, let's see where this goes. And then as it was going on more and more, it was just like, this is, this is good. This is really good. And then the death of Optimus Prime scene, which, as I said, with, uh, with my conversation with Flint, that was just, that was perfection. The way that that whole scene carried out, everyone yeah. was on their a game and, you know, Nelson Shin, God bless him. He was the stuff that he brought in the, the eyes, you know, getting bright you know lighting up yeah, and then yeah. fading the, the, the flickering yeah yeah and then the and then turning to gray and then his head just dropping to one side and daniel just like crying there it was just like they knew they had to have known that this was not just a toy commercial they had to know what they can say like oh we we were tar we we had a job and that was to phase out the 84 line and bring in the 86 line Okay, but the way you did it, no, it proves to me you know exactly what these characters are all about. And mm -hmm. you did not just like put all of them onto one big ship and then send them out and blow it up. You know, that would have been that would have been cynical. That would have been incredibly yeah. cynical. You know, just saying how like, you know, that, that you know, just grabbing the 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 arc and everything, like getting it working again, getting all the Autobots in there and everything. And then all of a sudden, just something like, oh, there goes into the sun. And then we have a whole new adventure with all these new new characters. That would have been incredibly cynical. The way that they did it, it just proves that they are they were aware that these characters meant something. And mm -hmm. they did a magnificent job illustrating that with that scene. And like I said, Nelson was was on top of his game all the voice actor acting work, Peter Cullen. I mean, you can't say enough about Peter Cullen. The man was just mm. like, the man is still just absolute, absolute genius. And it's somewhat in that that's my, that's my big get, you know, if, if there's any, any opportunity to have Peter Cullen and Frank Welker, you know, like in there, of course, the two that don't do as, you know, like as much social media or anything or, or, are really right. difficult to, to pin down. Of course, mm -hmm. they're the ones that you know that that everyone wants to talk to, which is likely why they 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 avoid they avoid social media like that. But his acting was phenomenal, and you know Robert Stack was great, and and then Vince DiCola's music. I mean, like it just it got you, it got you in yeah. in such a great way. 
So it was, it was big. It was that, that whole sequence was just fabulous. I, I just remember really being taken by that. Mm-hmm. Got choked up a little bit just because like Optimus Prime is always someone that I hold it in high regards and, and always will. But what really interested me was afterwards when Megatron met Unicron and it was yeah. that whole scene. It was just like, whoa, okay. Now the plot's getting, you know, kicking in the gear now. Now we have some brand new Decepticons, but they're reconfigured versions of the old ones. So they're not mm-hmm. they're not replacements. They're the next step in their evolution. And yeah. so that's really cool. Like, you know, and getting rid of Starscream the way he did, it was just like this is great stuff. This is so much yeah, great it, stuff. And then, and then of course, Spike dropping, oh shit, what are we going to do now? You know, like, <laughs> well, and, and oh. I was going to ask you about that too. So like, you know, we, we talked about, you know, kind of, kind of the violence, but you had, you know, mentioned that you would, you would go to church on Sundays. And I, I was wondering what the, the family's response to the, the profanity. And I've, cause like, I, I know, I, I know folks that like have had issues with the violence, mm-hmm. but I've heard that folks had even more issue with the profanity, which is yeah. obviously what got it that PG rating. They, yeah. they intended for that so that it would play later in the day. There would mm-hmm. be more showings and it was even smart. that part it of was, it, it's smart. Yeah. Yeah kind of backfired but but also very very smart oh yeah you know you can tell that that at the ver- at the very core of this there is a marketing agency that's that's the pulling the strings and you know griffin bacall you know those guys had done so- done some amazing work with this they had brought in the right kind of people involved as well and so that idea of you know just dropping that s-bomb and giving an ultra magnus a damn it line you know later mm-hmm. on also noting that they took out they took out the oh shit line from the initial video because the initial video release and the one that they did that uh, that Rhino did uh, years later they didn't drop in they didn't drop in the action, the the S bomb until its first release on DVD that uh, that Rhino did the the almost bare bones version of it but the yeah, it was I was just like you know as you know this ten year old me and everything to come you know, just, <laughs> right? Like yeah, spike, I mean it, it makes it, <laughs> it makes it feel very adult especially coming from that character. Yeah. Because Spike is the character that you identify with mm-hmm. when you're watching the shows yep. on Saturday morning and weekday afternoons in 1984 mm-hmm. and 1985. Now you have this time jump and this character that you are along with, the 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 identification character, is now an adult, yeah. which is kind of cool. You get, oh, cool, I get, I'm looking up to this character now. And then he starts swearing. It's yeah. like, Spike is pretty cool. He's and a you cool know, and dude. What's, and what's really cool about that is that what they did with Spike later on, I thought was fabulous the way that that, yeah. that that character kept on going. And especially even though I'm not you know, like the biggest fan of the rebirth, the three-part miniseries that wrapped up the whole thing that should have been mm-hmm. five parts. But you know, like, you know, David Wise, the late great David Wise had so much, you know, so much to say. Folks, take a look at the I think it's called just like David Wise interview on YouTube. It's there. It's about 20 minutes long. He breaks it down of of all of the different budget issues and everything that were that was happening, all the issues that he had with writing the rebirth. And mm-hmm. It's really, it's a great interview. It's a really, uh, really solid interview. But what I love, you know, like Spike just really, it's like he came into his own. 
it, especially in yeah. that miniseries. Like he was, he was stepping forward. He wasn't just like, you know, like, you know, Hey, I want to go too. It was, he was being like, he, he was being a, an authority on there. Mm-hmm. He was, sta- he, yeah. he stood up to Optimus at the very end and said like, told, you know, told Optimus that he was staying on Nebulos, you know, like, and just saying like prime, he's got my boy. You, you must trust me. And finally, you know, and Optimus, you know, like deferred to him. So he, he really was like a hell of a character and somebody that I hope will have someone like that in future um, Transformers movies. I absolutely. And with that, with, uh, with, the progression of old characters obviously comes in the new characters as well. You know, you've got you've got Ultra Magnus, you got Cup, Hot Rod, RC, etc. Springer. Yeah. Springer, of course. Yeah. And yeah. all these characters were super cool. Yeah. Ex- except for Wheelie. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Wheelie sucks, but that's we, all right. Yeah, yeah, Wheelie sucks. Like there there was this there was this great moment. I think it was in Ghost in the Machine in season three where Spike and Bumblebee got to, you know, ride together. And that was just like, all right, that's good. You know, like let's keep wheelie over there. Let's, let's get more Spike and Spike and Bumblebee. It's like they, they have a good chemistry. They always had, have had a really good chemistry. And so like, and um, so that part of it, I feel like that was, that was something they should have, you know, focused on more. It's like, I get, you know, like Daniel with wheelie, I get that, but let's you know let's put more focus on Spike and Bumblebee because that the, that's a pairing that we knew was going was going to last from the beginning. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that the writers kind of miscalculated. It's yeah. like we're it, you give us both dynamics. It's like you bring in new kid appeal characters in Daniel and Wheelie, mm-hmm. where I think that's where kids are supposed to go. But folks like us had already were starting to grow up and grow out of it. So the time yeah. jump works. Aging Spike works. So yeah, why and. And everybody likes that dynamic of Spike and Bumblebee. Why, yeah. why um, not stick with that instead of trying to put in the the new kid appeal characters? Because the fan base had kind of outgrown it. I think I think that was their their bis, their big miscalculation, <laughs> even more so than the crass consumerism of the movie of you know killing off all the yeah. old characters so that you're you're motivated to buy the new ones. But yeah, I think it's it it, it they just didn't mm-hmm. quite know the audience and and didn't trust the audience i i think it's not that they didn't know the audience i think that they didn't trust the audience because everything else in season three works very well it's like you know you've got you're you're moving away from earth you're going into hard sci-fi you're dealing with aliens and weird concepts and all of that stuff springs out of the movie i think that's why the movie is still yeah. so iconic because there are all of these bonkers concepts that come from the movie that are still called upon in any iteration of Transformers fandom. It's like, you know, if if you get a nickel for right. uh, every time somebody says one shall stand, one shall fall mm-hmm. or, you know, I mean, I mean, so much of that dialogue has been repurposed and reused and 
that speaks to how iconic of a touchstone this is. I've I've heard my buddy uh, Anthony Brucalli, who hosts uh, Transformers University at tfu.info, he he refers to the movie as the centerpiece of because yeah. it, it, really it really is. is. Yeah. I mean, and G1 is really kind of like defined as like before the movie and after the movie, but the mm-hmm. movie itself is this thing that exists in pop culture. It's the jewel right in the center. It really yeah, is. It's, it, the, it's the jewel right in the center of it. Exactly. And like I I was even say I was talking with I was talking a little bit more with with Flint about this during during our talk. And a couple of years before I got to talk with Flint, I met I met Greg Berger. Mm-hmm. And he was at a he was at a convention that was it was wonderfully stacked with a lot of really great pop culture people, but it was horribly marketed. Mm-hmm. So no one really knew about it. But that was it, it sucked that it was basically like throwing money away for my table because I had my books there. Oh. But at the same time, it offered a chance to kind of walk around a little bit and chat with some of these people. So that's where I got to gift Greg a copy of Excelsior. Nice. And I got to and I got to you know talk with him about it. I showed him the three quotes and he looked at it. I was just like, I'm going to show this to Peter. I was like. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> you know, like, please do. <laughs> and this was before I knew that the that the podcast was going to get going. And I even had a great moment where I got to meet and gift a copy of Excelsior to Alan Oppenheimer, the voice of Skeletor. Nice. And which was amazing because one of the main characters in Excelsior was directly inspired by the Frank Langella version of Skeletor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From the Masters of the Universe movie. And that wouldn't have happened if Alan hadn't made that character as iconic as it is. So it's just like, I got to give him a copy. And there was, and Alan was so gracious too, because he got up from his chair and let me sit at his booth and then stood over me while I signed it, my, my copy of the book for him. And the whole time I'm thinking, it was just like, where the fuck is a camera? Like, <laughs> yes. <somebody> needs to... <laughs> oh, that's this great. needs to go out there. <laughs> but I had a moment and one of my friends who's also like uh, real hardcore into Transformers, she asked me, what would I have done differently for season three? Mm. And I said, like, the main thing that I would have done, the main thing I would have changed is we go back to Dark Awakening and Optimus he still overpowers the programming that the Quintessons gave him, but he doesn't kill himself afterwards. He's still banged up. He's still badly wounded and everything. He needs to be on a life support system. Hmm. And that is what keeps him on Cybertron and acts as a mentor for Rodimus. Rodimus still has the Matrix and he's still going out on missions, but he has Optimus's ear. He can go ahead and like use him as a guiding force. And so um, basically he would be in the same role that General Hawk was in on that same season of G.I. Joe. Right. So because they brought in General Hawk that same season. So he'd basically be like the same thing. He would be the top guy that would, you know, like be looked at, you know, like with reverence and everything. But he was not in a position to actually get out on the field. Mm -hmm. So Rodimus would do that instead. Then... You have, and this is this is also dependent on Hasbro getting their ideas in gear a little faster than they did, and saying that there would be some sort of, you know, universal catastrophe or something that requires Optimus to actually be there, and so that, and so you have a maybe like you know a human 
yeah. that is working with him, you know, with that, with his life support system to basically like try to improve it as much as possible to the point where that human would actually have to wear it and become it and become the power master. So that way you have power master Optimus Prime. And then all of a sudden now you have, now you have Optimus, you know, like back and everything in gear as the power master that Hasbro puts out. Mm -hmm. So there, there you have, you're in with, with him coming back and not just bringing him back because, because somehow during all this conflict and a ship blowing up and everything that a couple of humans just happened to get on there and get a perfectly pristine Optimus out of the ship. Yeah. You can tell I'm really bitter about that. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it just it just doesn't line it up. Ju- it 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 yeah, it clashes so badly yeah. with with the continuity, and it just it pisses me off. It was just like if you want to if you want to have them rescued, fine, have everything be what it is. You know, have everything carry out what it is in Dark Awakening, but have Jessica and and Gregory pull up in their ship after everything is done. It's just like what's that thing floating out there? Right. Well, and and it's also kind of weirdly doubly frustrating as well, because like as a singular piece, the return Mm -hmm. of Optimus Prime is a pretty decent episode. It's it's a lot of fun. There's there's some cool stuff in there, some great concepts, but. The animation is fabulous. It's great. The animation looks terrific. Yeah. You know, like there's it, it, it looks it looks the closest thing to the movie that that's that was out there. Like It looked really, really good. Absolutely. And, and of course, and of course, the Stan Bush cameo at, at the very end. Yeah. You know, like, why not? You know, like, that's the time when you bring out the touch. You know, that's. Which which, again, you know, kind of putting some mild profanity into it, it has the line when all hell is breaking loose. I mean, that that is in yeah. a that is in a weekday afternoon cartoon there. And that's like, all right, I, I like it. I like it. And and yeah. it's and again it's just touchstones like that you know it's like you know look at how ubiquitous Stan Bush's music has has become because of the movie, mm-hmm. and yeah. and we were talking about this earlier when when we were talking about Vince DiCola and his uh, relationship with Stallone. It's interesting mm-hmm. the weird connections with Stallone and Transformers because obviously the touch was originally written to be in Cobra, Cobra. that. Yeah. that that Stallone yep. movie. So it it's just so weird these weird alternate parallels where everything eventually it's almost 6 degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like 6 degrees of Transformers almost, the movie yeah. because between yeah. like I mean that's that's how Robert Stack gets unsolved mysteries kind of based upon yep. the the strength of that that voice work and yeah it's mm-hmm. it's just it's interesting and and like I said I mean I for me what makes Transformers the movie a topic that I still enjoy talking so much about is that it's it's iconic in a way that's separate from the rest of the franchise. Obviously, Transformers yeah. as a concept, as an IP, is is you know part of the pop culture, but the Transformers the movie also has a separate and almost unique place 
in that yeah. like you know you've you've got the the Marky Mark connection, the Boogie Nights stuff, mm-hmm. and who ends up yeah. being in the live action movies again, all these weird Six Degrees things. But like you mm-hmm. know you you've got episodes of the Goldbergs, you know, using that, yep. and you've got you've got Dare being used in Netflix's Glow. You know, it's just like yeah. all, all of these these reverberations that come out and of. Think, and I think they used I think they used the touch on Chuck as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, that's great stuff. It's that's great stuff. And yeah, like it, it yeah. It, like w- the way, the way you said that really is, you know, really is something because the general public knows about Transformers. The fans know about Transformers, the movie, mm-hmm. and they know the effect that it had on them. And, you know, like, and if, you know, like if, you know, if, you know, Evan allows, you know, like you're able to see that in the theaters more than once before it, before it leaves, you know, like it's, it really was like just something really special that you can't really pin down, but it's something that, you know, like it really is. It's beyond good. It's beyond evil, beyond our wildest imagination. Like that's, a, you know, that's what they said and that's what's there. Absolutely. And, and I've told this story in a number, number of other places as well. I, I had the opportunity to see it twice in the theaters. And, oh, nice. and it was on the strength of that commercial. We were talking about the, the commercials earlier. And mm-hmm. one of them was like, it's so big. It's so exciting. You've got to see it twice to take it all in. And I remember talking to my mom, almost quoting that verbatim. And she's like, ah, we'll see. And, you know, like within like the the next weekend or something like that, grabbed a couple friends and and she took us to go see it, which was the second time for me. And it was so I I always remember that very fondly. And that's almost like one of my weird childhood flexes. I'm like, yeah, but I saw it twice. And they're like, lucky. (laughs) It's like, oh, little little rich kid over here. And I'm like, well, I had to go see a movie twice. Okay. But, but I, you know, you remember those bits of I, I guess predating viral marketing but it's just like you know like you said the tagline or like we were talking about the commercials I mean there, there's just so many ubiquitous things that are so unique to this movie that mm-hmm. I just you know I, I I think the only other date that that's more cemented in my mind for when when a movie came out was June 23rd you know when, when Batman 89 oh, came yeah. out but yep. out, outside of that which it's like, which has which which has the greatest teaser poster of all time absolutely. you know that's yeah I I'm proud to say that I got that hanging up in my my office at work and yeah that was that was a big get, you know, getting that one. I always wanted to have that poster and I always wanted to have it framed and I got them both. So, yeah. That's that's so cool. I I love the photos that you've shared of your uh, of your space there and just I mean, there let, let's okay, as as we close out, let's let's talk about the poster too because like the poster mm-hmm. is really in itself a a bizarre piece of art in that like it yeah. has First, the the style is kind of weird. Like, uh, like I'm mm-hmm. sure having the poster in the size that that you've got it, I'm sure you've stood and looked close to it. Like, like the expressions yeah. on the characters' faces are kind of goofy. You know, it, it's it, it's just a, a very weird interpretation, but it's also a very striking and iconic image that that's been obviously homaged a, a number of times, like in comic books and 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 things like that. But it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we we should have known what we were in for because 
none of the old characters are on the poster. It it's it's yeah. Ultra Magnus. It's you know it, it's it's Springer. It's Cup. It's RC. You don't even have Hot Rod. All you have yeah, is you have, spoiler you have, alert. You have Rodimus, Rodimus Prime, Rodimus way Prime. way <laughs> off to the side, who is actually smaller in perspective than Wheelie. It's like yeah, it's it's just it's mm-hmm. just very bizarre. But yet that is that is an iconic image that's burned into my memory as as iconic as that teaser Batman poster as much as like any any number of star wars images or raiders of the lost yeah. ark or you know just that the all-time classics i always think of that of that movie of uh, the the poster for transformers the movie mm-hmm. yeah there's some, there's something about that one i think it's i think the thing that that grabs me more than anything is the way that the logo looks I mean, yes. like there's some it's, you know, the it's it's given that extra like 3D edge to it and it just it pops so much more. It was just like this is this is not going to be just a, you know, like an episode, an, an extended episode. Right. This is going to be something different. This is going to be a game changer. Mm-hmm. And then you look down on the bottom there, PG, like. Yeah, all, right. we all got, of that. There's something going on here. Yeah, it, it's a real movie, and like you know, it's got yeah. like all of the 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 cover dressings and all of that stuff. You know, it's like oh, you know, Deg presents Dino De Laurentiis, who like you know, I didn't know anything about movies, but I knew that I knew that name from like seeing that. I'm like, this is it's 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 a real movie in a way yeah. that that Rainbow Bright wasn't, or My Little Pony the movie wasn't, or you right. know, or again, or or GoBots. You know, none of that. Mm-hmm. None of those really felt like movies and for me transformers the movie even now is still the meter stick that i use to measure a television to movie transition like i i remember yeah. watching like star trek generations and i'm like well mm-hmm. it, it's fine but it's no transformers the movie you know yeah. it's it's yeah. like and, and it's just that confluence of like the the time jump the the all of the ambitious choices mm-hmm. with regards to the characters it it's everything just felt real and intense and scary and game changing like like you had said and yeah i mean i i anything i mean like i i even remember like i had uh i had a cousin of mine who was super into pokemon and yeah. like i remember that i i took him to go see that first pokemon movie and i i asked him because i didn't know anything about it i was like so is this any different than the show he's like no it's just like the show and i'm like when you get a little older mm. i'm gonna show you this uh, this little movie called the transformers the movie where like yep <laughs> that's that's how you do a uh, a big screen adaptation, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and it doesn't even matter that it's like a Saturday morning cartoon. It's like mm-hmm. any kind of, I, I guess the word I'm looking for is escalation. You know, where it yeah. like it takes the thing that you loved about the show and really makes it big for the big screen. That's, that's I mean, I like Star Trek Generations fine, but mm-hmm. but it, it's, it, it's not that. It's not big in the way that Transformers right. the movie is. I'll tell you something. This is this is something that's that's really kind of you know odd that I that that actually like makes that causes a little bit of an emotional feeling for me. But at the end credits, the one thing you know, like I always make sure to to you know watch the end credits all the way through whenever I watch it. And the main reason why is because there is I always get like this weird like smile, like this weird like kind of 
and with a little bit of a chill when it's yeah. com- coming to like the very end of the end credits and there's the motion picture association of America yeah. seal on there. I was like, that's, and right below that, it says the transformers is a registered trademark of Hasbro incorporate. I was like, you've come a long way. You've yeah. so come a long way in such a short time. And I am so proud to be a part of this fan base. Absolutely. So cool. Yeah. Well, we could talk for, for, a very long time, and I'm sure oh, we, yeah. will, we will have to add at another time. But I think our time comes to the comes to our our end. I don't yeah. I don't know what I'm doing there. I apparently right. forgot how to speak. George, <laughs> author, voice actor, audiobook narrator. The uh, podcast is Excelsior Journeys, and uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Th- this was an absolute blast. Oh, absolutely! I had so much fun doing this. Thank you for having me here. You're welcome. And uh, before we part ways for now, could you let folks know where we can find you on the internet, how we can connect with you on the social medias and anything else that, uh, that you want to plug while we're here? Absolutely. You can find me on, uh, you can find me at the, my home base is at he's got it.com as in by George, he's got it that <laughs> uh, you can, you can get the samples of, you know, like some books that I've, some of the books that I've narrated, uh, you can, find out about how you can purchase the books directly from me, get some assigned copies sent over to you. You can also you can also access the podcast. And I say podcast plural because there's Excelsior Journeys and then there's a limited series that I did which focuses on all the Marvel movies that are outside the Marvel studio of the MCU. So it's called From Duck Till Dark Outside the Marvel Studios. And that was a fun show to do. It was part of the National Podcast Post Month Challenge. So where oh, you, cool. you're basically like recording you know, like a 10 minute sh- uh, episode every day for 30 days in November. So I did that in 2019, had a lot of fun doing it. I sense a future for that show, in, you know, like very soon. I just got to figure out how I'm going to spin it and see what I can do with it. The quality, you know, kind of ebbs and flows because I was recording it through my, you know, on my phone. So that part of it, it is what it is, but it was just like each episode is my thoughts on that particular Marvel movie that's outside of the MCU. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter under the same, under the same name at George Soroy and it's spelled S-I-R-O-I-S. And you can also find me on Facebook. You can find the Excelsior Journeys podcast and you can find my author page both on Facebook. Very cool. Well, again, George, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. All right, and that will wrap things up for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to listen to all of my past shows, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcasts. And check out the full show archive out on SoundCloud. Five years and over 300 episodes worth of shows there. And join us again for the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast live stream that is streaming on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook Live. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you'd like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. For my guest, George Soroy, my name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, tell all our one, make good choices. <laughs>